Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hi, hello, how are you? Welcome to another episode of Rossafari Zoo News. Zoo News, as heard on. Raw Safari. Okay, that wasn't the best description, but I'm guessing if you're here, you know what you're listening to. This is our Zoo News episode we do every week where we talk about what's going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and weird animal stuff. And y'all, there are a ton of stories this week. Um, you know, I've been getting just so many submissions from from so many people lately, and I just want to say thank you to everyone who, who's been doing that, and I, I hope you appreciate that I'm picking and choosing what I think fits the episode, And um, but I appreciate everything that you're all sending, and if you would like to join that group, you can also contribute to Ross Safari Zoo News by tagging me at Ross Safari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, at Ross Safari Pod on TikTok, in any stories you see, or DMing them to me. Or emailing them to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com. Yay. So I wanted to start off this week by uh, giving you a little health update. I'm doing a lot better. The swollen parts have unswollen, and I'm actually going to be at the doctor the day this episode drops, um, getting that looked at and hopefully getting good news. And then uh, next week, I'll have two more appointments pertaining to my heart, just making sure that everything is cool there. And um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out last week's Zoo News episode where I, I shared what I've been going through. Um, but I, I just I wanted to say thank you so much. There has been such an amazing outpouring of love and support from this community. I have heard from so many of you. Um, Phone calls, letters, gifts, and and DMs uh, have, have been rolling in, and it is so sweet. Y'all are the best and have definitely, definitely raised my spirits and helped with my healing. Another thing that raised my spirits this week is, uh, if you haven't seen yet, the Bandit shirts have shipped and have started arriving, and I have been posting pictures of those. Um, I will be talking to Carissa to see exactly what we need to do to get the money to Red Panda Network, but the Bandit shirts have arrived, and they are better than anyone, I think, imagined. Uh, they're beautiful. They're so well done. Uh, Carissa at Peace, Love, and Tie-Dye is incredible. Please give her a follow if you haven't yet. I'll keep tagging her on stuff in Instagram. Um, but yeah, and if y'all want some, some custom tie-dye, make sure you check it out. Uh, this has been such a cool project, and people are so just overzealous in their, their pleasure about how amazing it is. And I, I totally get it. Um, so for those of you who ordered the bandit, uh, I hope you're enjoying yours. Send me pics. Um, if you're, if you're willing, uh, either are just of the shirt or if you're wearing it, I think it's cool when you're wearing it makes me know that they're working because they're shirts. And how can you know if they're working, if they're not on someone? I know that was weird. I'm weird. I'm, I'm feeling well enough to be back into a goofy, weird mood. So that's probably a good thing, right? Um, yeah, but so anyway, uh, like I said, we have a lot of stories to get to, so those were just a couple quick updates, and now you get to listen to an ad. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right. And with all of that, I think it's time. Let's get to it, y'all. One, two, three, four. Ow, oh, there's a funky monkey. Treat kangaroo. Or a bin around. It's too news. Yeah. All right, y'all. So first and foremost this week, uh, I have an update to a recent story that makes me so happy. You know, if you're going to give crap to a facility for doing something wrong, you've got to give props to them for doing it right. And hey, Philadelphia Zoo, y'all did the right thing and you're getting props right now. Uh, If you listened to last week's episode, you know that the Philly Zoo was doing animal adoptions for animals no longer in their care. And in some cases, the animals weren't even alive anymore. Well, I reported on this. I tagged the Philly Zoo and a couple of things about it. And we even did that poll where a lot of you contributed and said how much that would bother you. And Philly has officially changed their animal adoption program. You can still adopt animals there, but now instead of adopting individuals, you adopt by species. You still get the information, you get all the same stuff, but now you don't connect directly with one animal that may or may not be there and may or may not die or have already died. Um, I think that's awesome. You know, there are going to be some people who say that they wish that they kept the individual names because that is pretty cool. And I admit it is pretty cool. But um, if you don't have the resources right now or the time to put into that, especially with uh, everything going on with COVID and everything, man, just doing it this way makes it so much better. Now you can go adopt a bunch of really great species at the Philly Zoo without having to worry about uh, when you go there, not getting to see the animal that you adopted or anything like that. More importantly, I just think it's really cool that once this was called to their attention, they took care of it. I got to give props for that. Um, So nice work, Philly Zoo. Uh, Very cool. Very cool. And nice work, Ross Safari community, for, uh, you know, kind of building a base to make that change happen. They always say, be the change you want to see in the world. And uh, we did it. It was a small thing, maybe, but uh, it means a lot to me. So yay us. A 46-year-old elephant at the National Zoo in Washington, D.C. is the latest example of why training and veterinary medicine at zoos is so dang amazing. Swarna, a 46-year-old elephant, uh, joined the herd at the zoo in May of 2014, and when they did her first examination there, they noticed an unusual shape of the teeth and a wear pattern on her teeth as well that was not quite what they were looking for. However, they decided to let it go, as Swarna was fine, until recently when uh, she seemed to be having difficulty chewing her food properly. 
Well, the elephant care team decided that surgery was the best option for fixing the problem, and they then worked on training Swarna through each step of the procedure. By building her trust and confidence, they helped minimize the stress that she had as an elephant who is 46 years old and suddenly needs surgery. The zoo's veterinary team was joined by elephant dentistry specialists from the Collier Institute because elephant dentistry specialists are a thing that totally exists in this world, which is kind of amazing. Anyway, since the surgery, which was a complete success, Swarna has put on weight and uh, is doing significantly better. It's it's really exciting uh, to see that this has worked and also exciting to know that the National Zoo is sharing their findings and the results of the surgery with other facilities that have uh, geriatric elephants in their care. Congrats to the team at the National Zoo. And also, congrats to the team at the Jacksonville Zoo, where they have had a blue-eyed lemur born. This is really exciting as the blue-eyed lemurs, also known as blue-eyed black lemurs, although it's a little sexist since only the males are black, the rest are brown, the females are brown, they are sexually dimorphic. But they are one of the 25 most threatened primates on Earth and are also the only primate species other than humans that regularly have blue eyes. So that's kind of cool. So congrats to the team at Jacksonville for a successful birth of an incredibly endangered animal, especially one with pretty eyes just like mine. All right, so now I have two pretty cool stories out of the Oakland Zoo. First of all, the Oakland Zoo is currently involved in helping out Rose a mountain lion cub who was discovered in the wild at about four or five months old and weighed in at just around eight pounds at that time. Uh, Normally, for comparison, she should have been around 30 pounds. She was spotted by hikers and uh, was rescued by them and then taken to the Oakland Zoo, where she was determined to be extremely dehydrated and with a temperature so low that the Oakland vet staff couldn't even find it. They couldn't read it. So they hooked her up, started giving her IV fluids, and uh, decided that they might even need to give her a blood transfusion to get her red blood cell count up. Um, she did start eating a little meat and had to wear a cone and have all kinds of tubes in her and stuff, but it seems like it's working. The latest update from the Oakland Zoo is that Rose is doing better, packing on weight and acting like a mountain lion. So it seems like the veterinary team there has saved yet another wild animal. And even better, well, okay, not even better, but also cool is the fact that the zoo has been posting a lot of stories about Rose on their social media and they have gone viral. So now there are more people than ever who understand that zoos are doing amazing work, both with their own animals and with wild animals, and who are cheering on the team and rooting for Rose, who cannot be released back into the wild because of all the issues she's had, unfortunately, but who will go on to be a great ambassador for her species, assuming she makes it through this dark time. And it's just, it's really awesome to see the Oakland Zoo really not only helping an animal, but helping the species and helping people to understand what they're doing by being so transparent. The Oakland Zoo was also called upon to evaluate a roadside zoo in Virginia known as Wilson's Wild Animal Park. They provided expertise in proper animal care and welfare that assisted the Virginia Attorney General in shutting down the roadside zoo due to animal cruelty and wildlife trafficking. 
Oakland Zoo literally helped all the way across the country in Virginia to get an animal cruelty case settled and get the zoo shut down in Virginia. I love that story so much. Along with the assist in, um, you know, getting it shut down, the zoo also helped 120 animals, including lions, tigers, bears, and birds, be seized by authorities and sent to various sanctuaries where they will live out their lives. Uh amazing work by the Oakland Zoo, especially because the case serves as a precedent for future cases and uh, means that this may be the first step in finally eradicating roadside zoos in the United States. All right, so I'm going to touch on these next two stories very quickly, just because they're stories that aren't really stories. Um, But first of all, the Columbus Zoo announced that nothing happened at the Columbus Zoo recently. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let me explain. Lots of things happen at the Columbus Zoo. But apparently there was an incident with a traffic stop outside of the zoo that went a little wonky and the dude tried to escape and kind of drove partway into the parking lot or something. But the police were able to stop him and handled everything. It was fine. It was fine. Everything was fine. Of course, the internet doesn't believe that anything is fine, and rumors started to circulate that there was an active shooter at the Columbus Zoo, which was just not the case on any level. The driver never made it into the zoo, etc., etc., but the Columbus Zoo did need to make a social media post pointing out that there was no active shooter at the zoo, which I guess is better than making a post saying that there is an active shooter at the zoo. So, uh, yeah, that was a whole lot of nothing. But since it, you know, got posted and people saw it, I thought I should at least comment on it. And then the other story is that the Memphis Zoo recently got wallabies. They haven't even been announced yet, um, but they were hanging out with the kangaroos when a huge storm hit Memphis and a bunch of flooding happened. And all of the kangaroos and wallabies were moved to a safe location, except one disappeared in the process. But good news, it was found on zoo grounds. It had just hopped its way to a safe space of its own. And uh, the wallaby is doing fine and has been returned to the family. And uh, now because of this, everybody knows that the Memphis Zoo has wallabies. And um, it'll be less exciting when they announce them, though more exciting that they get to announce all three than, you know, hey, we had three and lost one. So yeah, two stories that kind of aren't stories, but were stories. So I made them stories. Cool story. Now we're going to take it down from the uh, jokes for a minute and and share a couple of uh, harder stories uh, from the zoo world this week. First of all, it has been confirmed that two keepers who stayed at Feldman Eco Park, a zoo in Kharkiv, Ukraine, to help their animals despite the fact that Russians were attacking the area, have been killed by Russian forces. These are two employees who gave their lives to take care of the animals in their care. And uh, it's so devastating to hear that. Um, There's not really anything else to say about it other than the war sucks, y'all. Also in the tougher news, uh, there was a dolphin that attacked a trainer recently at the Miami Seaquarium. Um, fortunately, nothing too crazy happened. It seemed that there was a miscommunication between the trainer and animal, and the animal got aggressive with the trainer and poked it a couple of times. The trainer was able to quickly swim out of the water. The animal was fine and in control. And in fact, the show that they were doing went on without a hitch. Um, 
there's been a lot of talk about the Sequarium and a lot of questions about whether it's an okay place or not. I have not been. I have not done a ton of research on this. But if you have, and if you have any opinions on this, I would be curious to hear them. Um, there, you know, this just seems like the latest in a couple of controversies. But as is often the case, especially with cetaceans in captivity, it's hard to know whether the controversies are real or fictionalized by people trying to get that entire industry shut down. So uh, if you have any thoughts, you know how to reach me. And hey, sometimes things happen even at really great facilities. I love Turtleback Zoo in uh, New Jersey, but recently a 12-year-old girl was bitten by an epaulet shark while she was feeding stingrays in a touch tank at the zoo. This is a touch tank that I have had my hands in many times, y'all. I've probably petted the shark in question. It was absolutely not a bad bite, by the way. It was treated by an antibacterial cream and a Band-Aid. And when EMS arrived, the cut was already covered, the bleeding had stopped, and the family declined care from EMS technicians. As of now, the family is not threatening to sue or anything, and the Turtleback Zoo team gave the girls' family free passes for a return visit as a result of the shark bite. Um... I don't know why that makes me laugh, but it does. Um, I, I guess, you know, that works. It's, it's, I, I like free zoo admissions, but um, yeah. So a girl got bit by a shark and gets to go back to the zoo. Yay! <laughs> Seriously, though, Turtleback is great. I go there a lot, and um, I have no concerns about, you know, how they're handling things there or anything. It's just a story that had to be reported on because it happened, and that's what zoo news is. But in better news, the governor of Connecticut, along with Senator Moore of the state, went to Beardsley Zoo recently to announce that the zoo will receive $4.1 million from the state for renovations and improvements, including a new tiger habitat and renovations to the greenhouse and Andean condor habitat. It's always awesome seeing a state invest in its accredited zoo, especially one as good as Beardsley, and especially because Beardsley has been working with the state, setting up uh, ways for people to get their COVID vaccines and and all that good kind of stuff. So uh, it's nice to see some reciprocal love between the state and the zoo. I think that's really cool. And uh, I know Beardsley is going to put the money to absolutely amazing use. It's so cool seeing that zoo expand and get better and better over the years. Now, a quick follow-up to a story we've been following here on and off for a while now. Uh, you may remember me telling you about the Johnson Park animals um, over in New Jersey. This, uh, we'll call it a zoo that's in a flood zone that was going to be shut down. And there's this whole amazing group of people working together and coordinating on Facebook to help get it shut down. And the government said it was going to be shut down. And then the government was like, hey, JK, LOL, we're going to have some experts come in and um, they're going to look at it and then they'll tell us what to do. Well, the government has now again decided to shut down the Johnson Park situation. I'm still loath to call it a zoo. Um, and most of the animals are being transported to sanctuaries, the ones that haven't already been sent there. And so that is really, really good news. And I'm really excited about it. There's one um, postscript to the story, it's not over yet, which is that uh, some of the animals are being kept and relocated for a heritage breeding program, um, which is not 
unheard of and could make sense, but it looks like the area that they're going to be moved to for this program is also in a floodplain and is run by the same people as the Johnson Animal Park. Uh, So I'll be keeping an eye on this situation and updating you as we hear more. But it's great news that the zoo is being closed down. It's amazing to see the incredible work of the the people that have been fighting for this for so long uh, really paying off. And um, don't worry, the group is already aware of this heritage situation and working on coordinating a proper response to it because they are awesome humans. So uh, some good news indeed, and hopefully we can get even more good news out of this with the heritage situation being resolved uh, in a better way than it currently looks like it's going to be. And last but not least for Zoo News this week. Um, Lizzo, the artist, was the host and musical guest on Saturday Night Live last Saturday. And uh, she worked with Please Don't Destroy, which is a group of writers and actors on the show who do digital shorts right now, um, to do a sketch called Lizzo Has Writer's Block. And y'all, it's hilarious and very much worth checking out. I don't want to spoil why, but let's just say that if you are a fan of goofiness and a fan of zookeeping, you're going to really enjoy it. So just Google Lizzo has writer's block or even Lizzo zookeeper and uh, watch the sketch. You're you're gonna you're gonna get a kick out of it. Uh, I, I promise. It's it's kind of ridiculous in the best way. And that brings us to conservation, conservation news time. Oh yeah. So I'm going to start off by reminding you that Red Panda Network uh, has been doing a Red Panda Collar study, which I've reported on here before. And uh, there are some new findings from this study that you can find by going to redpandanetwork.org. There is a really really well-written article about the findings, and they're really interesting. They're definitely finding that humans, even when not directly poaching red pandas and stuff, are still causing lots of problems for red pandas. And uh, there's just a lot of really interesting stuff in this really just ridiculous ridiculously well-written article. Um, So I I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, Hit up their website or just go to Instagram or Facebook uh, and you can find the articles there at Red Panda Network. Um, The article, uh, which is, did I mention it's really ridiculously well-written, was written by none other than John Rossi of the Rossifari podcast. Sorry, y'all, I couldn't help it. But seriously, um... It's a really interesting study with some really interesting findings, and I highly recommend you go check out the uh, the full details online. Great news out of Indianapolis. Every year since 1947, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway has released thousands of balloons to celebrate the start of the Indy 500. But this year, they have decided that they are not going to release the balloons and are not sure that they ever plan to again. A big reason why is simply because of environmentalists complaining about the situation and pointing out that balloon releases can kill wildlife. And uh, yeah, the last two years, because of COVID-19, they didn't do the releases, but very specifically for that. And it turns out the world didn't end. 
and people still care about the Indy 500. And so with that realization and with pressure from environmentalists, the uh, organization has decided that although they're not worried about COVID-19 this year, they're still not going to release the balloons. This is a huge victory for wildlife in the Indianapolis area and beyond. Uh, I just I, I love hearing stories of people coming together to raise awareness and actually having an impact. So uh, yay and yay to the team at the Indy 500 for agreeing to not release the balloons this year and maybe ever again. I feel like every couple episodes, I end up talking about the Red Wolf Recovery Program in North Carolina, and uh, lots of times it's good news, lots of times it's bad news. Right now, unfortunately, it is bad news. The female Red Wolf that was released on February 8th, 2022, was found deceased in the wild on March 11th, 2022. The cause of death is undetermined at this time. Necropsy results are pending. It does not seem like a vehicle strike or or gunshot killed the wolf, which is good news in, in and of itself, I guess. But um, they're, they're not entirely sure um, what happened yet. But that is a huge loss to this very small community. And in fact, the male that was also released on February 8th uh, is currently recuperating after surgery needed to repair an injured leg. Um, and his future in the wild is yet to be determined because of that situation. But at least the uh, North Carolina State College of Veterinary Medicine was able to fix the leg and keep him alive and keep his genes in the population, whether in the wild or back in captivity as a breeding male. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, not a lot of good news for the Red Wolf population this week. On a happier note, last year, the ivory-billed woodpecker was declared extinct by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service after there had been no credible sightings since 1944. Okay, that's that that doesn't sound like it's on a happier note, but it is in fact because it turns out that this woodpecker is not in fact extinct. A research team from the National Aviary, who are our friends, and if you haven't heard their episode, you should. And Project Principalis went on a multi-year search for the woodpecker and, using drones as well as trail cameras, accumulated evidence that at least three different ivory-billed woodpeckers are still living in Louisiana. Now, granted, three is not a great number by any stretch of the imagination, and the fact that it took multiple years of a team working just on finding them to find them isn't great, but it is better than the species being extinct, and so now they can do more research and try to find more and also come up with a conservation plan for the species. So yay, not extinct animals. And that brings us to... It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, right now, it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the park on other news. A new species of millipede has been discovered. The twisted claw millipede is named Nanaria swiftae. Swiftae? As in... Taylor Swift, eh? Taylor Swift? That's right, y'all. There is a new millipede that has been named after pop singer Taylor Swift. Why, you ask? Is this because she donated money to research into millipedes or because her next song is going to be about having a million legs or something crazy? 
No, the lead author of the study that uh, reported that this is, in fact, a new species of millipede is named Derek Hennen, and he is a fan of Taylor Swift. So he got to name it after Taylor Swift. So there's a millipede named after Taylor Swift. Hey, Rasafari fans, go discover some species and name it after the, the podcast, okay? Thanks. On a much less happier note, a dolphin was recently stranded on the shores of Galveston, Texas. And uh, it was a, a beached dolphin that was believed to be sick, and people did reach out to the Texas Marine Mammal Stranding Network. However, before rescuers could show up, a crowd gathered and, deciding that the dolphin was supposed to be in the water, decided to grab it and push it and shove it back into the water, at which point some people attempted to ride the dolphin. Don't ride dolphins, don't ride sea turtles, don't be a jackass. I know no one in this audience would do it, but I have to say it anyway. It's just so frustrating. Um, the dolphin was able to get away, and then because it was still sick, re-beached itself, which is totally a thing that they will do, and uh, people went and harassed it again. And um, shocker, it was super stressed out along with being sick, and the dolphin died. So um, just don't be that person, please, ever. The, the, the saddest part of this to me is, is obviously the fact that people tried to ride it and were total jerks. But it's also pretty sad to me knowing that a lot of the people probably thought they were helping. They, um, they saw an animal that lives in the water that was beached and still alive. And they probably thought, oh, you need to be back in the water, friend. So um, just remember if you ever find yourself around an animal that may be sick or injured or whatever and you don't know what to do. Like, Google is your friend, and there are places like the Texas Marine Mammal Stranding Network or SeaWorld if you're in California or Florida or, you know, local rescues, all kinds of places that you can actually call, take a couple of seconds, and get the right advice on what to do. Um, I'm sure many of those people, you know, the ones that weren't riding, thought that they were doing the right thing, and in fact, they helped lead to the death of that dolphin. So learn from that mistake and take the time to do some research before you just do a thing to try to help an animal that may in fact just cause more problems down the road for it and and possibly for you because i'll tell you what um those people touching that dolphin every one of them breaking the law and if there are photos if there is video if any of that surfaces uh there's a chance that they will be charged so uh take care of yourself and take care of animals by um pausing and and making sure you're doing the right thing there are definitely resources out there that will help you and last but certainly not least um if you have not checked out the oh the huge manatee episode of the podcast where we meet Hugh and Buffett, the incredible manatees at Moat Marine Lab. Uh, you need to go do that because it is an amazing episode. And uh, one of my guests on that episode was Dr. Beth Brady of Moat Marine Lab. And it turns out that uh, Dr. Brady is now starting to figure out manatee communication. 
According to Dr. Brady, uh, if you have a dog or cat, you can tell by the way your cat meows or your dog barks whether or not it wants to go outside, whether it wants to play, but they're still using that bark or just that meow. And manatees are the same way. They change the pitch of the sound and the structure of the sound just a little bit to convey different meanings. And that's right, y'all. Dr. Brady's starting to figure out what those meanings are. They've actually been recording these vocalizations for seven years using a hydrophone off the side of a kayak as they paddle through fields of seagrass or cruise near freshwater river mouths to hear what the manatees were saying. They quickly realized that manatees tend to either squeal, which is a um, noise that they'll make during social play or frisky behavior. Taking horny to a new level. Thank you, Tiffany James, for that drop. And yes, I've been waiting to put that in for quite a while. Uh, Stressed out manatees will produce more of a squeak sound. And then a high squeak is used exclusively between a mother manatee and her calf. So that's really cool that they're starting to figure all of that out. And uh, hopefully with everything going on with manatees right now, uh, understanding a little bit of what they're trying to convey as they make different noises will, will help people who are trying to help them. And as always, if you haven't checked out Moat Marine Lab yet, you really should. They are so amazing and have been such a great partner to the podcast. Um, and just the work they're doing is is so next level. If you're ever down in the Sarasota, Florida area, check it out and and make sure that you uh, are following them on social media and everything. There's There's a whole world of cool stuff that Moat is doing. Animal, animal, animal holidays. Animal, animal, animal holidays. All right, so for your animal holidays for the week, a quick reminder that April is Ape Awareness Month because ape and April start with the same thing. And also National Frog Month, but not because frog and April start with the same thing because they don't. Anyway, the day that this episode is dropping is Friday the 22nd, and that is Earth Day. So happy Earth Day, y'all. The 23rd is International Palaces Cat Day. The 24th is Pet Parents Day. 25th, World Penguin Day. 26th is Audubon Day. The 27th is Crow and Raven Day. And... World Taper Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, and there you go. That's your Rossafari Zoo News for the week. I'd like to say thanks to Lara Shank, my Red Panda level patron, and to all of my patrons uh, who are supporting the podcast using Patreon. Don't forget, you too can support the pod for as little as $3 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Rossafari. And I'd also like to say thanks to everybody who contributed stories this week. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Liz Dunleavy, Megan Barrett, and Kristen Khalil. Appreciate y'all so much. And hey, don't forget to make sure that you're back here on Tuesday for a new episode featuring Gabby Scolar of the Gibbon Conservation Center out in California, a facility you may have never heard of. But that is really cool, and you're going to learn some amazing stuff about gibbons. And uh, some of it even ties into music in a way that I found wildly interesting and incredibly unexpected. Now, with all that said, my friends, do not forget, 
The words newsy credits backwards are Stiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.